In the business world, you don't want to have partners. And then I quickly learned that real estate is a team sport. And once I did that, once I started looking at a team, then my real estate career really took off. Welcome to the Apartment Investing Journey, where we explore every facet of multifamily investing and development with top investors, brokers, and service providers who share their strategies, successes, and secrets to help you on your apartment investing journey. Hey guys, David Robinson here. Welcome to the Apartment Investing Journey. As usual, we have another great guest on tap for you this week. This is an individual that has a tremendous amount of experience, has been investing since 2002 and has a specialty in the multifamily space that I'm excited to dive into today. And uh, so Gary Lipsky, welcome to the show. I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I listen to a, a lot of your episodes and, and love what you're doing. Great. Well, I appreciate that. A little bit about Gary. He's been, as I mentioned, a real estate investor since 2002. He has invested in over 1,900 units and currently has $41 million in assets under management. Gary's also the co-founder of the Asset Management Summit, which he just finished. So if his eyes are a little bloodshot, that's the reason. And also, he is the co-founder of Asset Management Mastery Podcast and the co-author of his newest book and new release, Best in Class. Gary, real quick, tell us about the book real quick. Yeah, it covers the whole journey from due diligence to KPIs. We talk taxes, legal, value add to disposition. So the whole journey. And it's, I mean, the book is, I think like 260 pages. The ebook is like 150 pages. So it's, there's a lot of meat in there. Everything that we've learned along the way and from people that have been on our podcast. So we share everything. And when people buy the book, they can get uh, access to our resources too that we, we oh, share. Cool. That's great. Well, and you know, that's what we want to talk about today in addition to sort of hearing your whole journey. And so before we dive into like asset management and getting into, you know, your secret sauce that you and Kyle have developed, but let's back up a little bit and, and walk us through your journey. Like when did you start initially, you know, thinking about getting into real estate and what, what were you doing before you, you dove into real estate? Yeah, you know, I've, I've always been an entrepreneur, you know, growing up, I had a, you know, I was shoveling driveways during the winter, auto detailing during the summer, during school and college, I started a uh, food delivery service, just like a DoorDash at the time, you know, I, I did, wasn't thinking that big at the time. Sure. I wish I, I did, but uh, I did, I did that. And then um, I co-produced a, a couple films in my twenties. And then I, I owned a, uh, an outdoor ed leadership development and uh, after school program in, in Southern California, we served over 9,000 kids daily when I sold it. So I always had that entrepreneurial bug. And, but I knew that no matter what I did, there was some limitations on how much money I can earn. And, you know, with, with that old business, I had over 700 employees and 700 independent contractors. Now I do, I make a lot more and I've got, you know, one employee and a couple of independent contractors, you know? Yeah. So it makes it a lot easier. And it's, it's running a business, which I've done my entire life. And what attracted me to real estate was the business side of things, the numbers and the creative side, which kind of, you know, that had been a thread throughout everything I did. And, you know, I wish my family got me into real estate at a, at a younger age. They, you know, they were into business, but they never 
talked about real estate. It was always on my own, kind of watching prices go up and and seeing deals getting done and, and some friends and and just starting really, really, really slow. But I, I wish I had jumped in much, much earlier. Well, and you had mentioned or we read in your bio about getting started in, you know, roughly 2002. So 20-year stint here, right? I can't imagine and correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe you jumped right into commercial multifamily from day one. So maybe talk to us a little bit about that first sort of foray into real estate investing. What did that look like for you? Yeah. I mean, this was my first house that I bought for myself. It was a value add. And I, I, I didn't at the time know that it was a value add play, but you know, I had no money down. I was in debt. Here I was buying almost a half a million dollar house with a baby on the way. And I'm like, I can't believe I'm spending all that money. But, you know, we, we opened up the kitchen, we converted the garage into an office space, you know, we did some things and little did I know I was going to u- utilize that knowledge in, in turning other houses into rentals and, and going into multifamily. But I was always looking at it as an investment and not, this is where I'm going to park my family for the next 20 years. Like my parents, have, you know, I've been in the same house 40 plus years. This was a way to accumulate wealth, but even the house that I was living in. So, okay. So the first house is sort of this uh, quote unquote value add. And what were you doing at the time professionally? Yeah. So it's funny. I was, uh, I was transitioning out of film and in, I was just starting this, uh, this after school outdoor red and leadership development company, you know, running programs myself. And we, we, converted the garage into the office space. And I helped build that with a, with a GC and, you know, we, it was just two of us. And then it was six of us in that, in that garage. And then eventually we, we got an office space down the street, but uh, yeah. So I I was just, I barely had enough income to pay for the house, but you know, you, you got to put your chips in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. So your first foray into sort of this investing world, and although this was your, you know, going to be your primary residence, also was looking at it from an investment perspective, but here you're working professionally all along the way, right? So how did the investing side of your world progress from there? Well, it was paying a lot more attention to how do I make my money, you know, work for me versus just, you know, relying on my financial advisor and whatever advice he said for stocks. It was, I knew that wasn't the solution to where I wanted to get to. And so I needed to be a lot more hands-on and, Real estate was the way, but you know, at that time there were no podcasts. Mm-hmm. There was a few, a few books. I think uh, Brian Chavis' uh, book uh, was one of my first books I bought, and it was just educating myself. Not until much, much later, where you know all these conferences and meetups and stuff that you can really delve in much, much faster. Provided a lot more rocket fuel, but at the time I was just, I was just taking little sips, and now you could re- really drink from a fire hose. Yeah, for sure. And so if I understand you correctly, I mean, you're working professionally all along the way, right? When did you actually go full-time real estate investing? Yeah. So I sold my business at the end of 2016 and got into real estate and then found multifamily at the very beginning of 2017. So, you know, four and a half years. And, you know, I started looking at uh, much smaller properties in the very beginning and wanting to do it on my own because in the business world, you don't want to have partners. And then, you know, I quickly learned that real estate is a team sport. And and once I did that, once I started looking at a a team, 
then my real estate career really took off there. Yeah. And so maybe let's unpack that piece then a little bit. So here it is roughly 2016, you sell your business. Uh, 2017, you become exposed to multifamily real estate and commercial real estate, uh, looking at bigger properties. Talk to us a little bit about that progression from when you started to think about multifamily and commercial real estate and how you got to where you're at today with $41 million under management. Yeah, real estate is funny because there's so many different ways to make money. And you go to a meetup and it's like, oh, that sounds good. Then another another meetup is like self-storage or hard money lending. And and so it takes a while to kind of, okay, I want to focus, mm-hmm. you know, and do really good at one thing first. Then I can look at something else. And multifamily kind of spoke to me regarding, you know, because of the fact it's running a business, you can hire a full-time manager or, or whatnot. But, you know, I was looking at a, a 12-unit building and there's really very little margin for error in a 12-unit. It ended up having some plumbing issues and I, I just let it go. I was doing it by myself. And then I had met Kyle. We had gone to a bunch of meetups. We were going out to... Phoenix are separate ways and said, why don't we go together? And he found a 42 unit in Tucson. And uh, we ended up purchasing that, I don't know, maybe a year and a half after, after we met. Uh, that was a $1.65 million acquisition. And then, you know, because we were working as a team, our next acquisition was over $15 million. Mm. So huge jump, almost, you know, 10x jump because of the team, you know? Mm-hmm. Man, Okay. Yeah, we've got to talk about that process then a little bit because there's a lot of people that are in Gary's shoes from 2017, 2018, and 2019, right? Before you met Kyle. And so maybe unpack for us a little bit the process of finding your business partner and the value that the partnership brings as a, as a team versus just going at this solo. Yeah, well, just being around like-minded individuals really provides rocket fuel, you know, that energy to keep going and sharing ideas. So I recommend to anyone to, you know, go out to lots of conferences and meetups and you never know where you're going to find that partner. And, and it, it takes time to develop a relationship with someone too, to make sure you have the same values, ethics, you know, methodology, whatever, whatever it is. And I'm learning as much as I can and same with him and, it ended up being a, a good fit at the time. And so you're having someone to bounce ideas off of and you're not, you know, when you're your first foray, it, it's stressful. You're not sure, Hey, I've never done this before. Am I doing the right thing? I've got investors I'm going to raise money for. So sharing that risk and liability with someone, you know, you're putting hard money down. It makes it so much easier to be doing it with someone else mm-hmm. and not taking it all on yourself. Now you can progress to that down the road, but starting out, I would recommend going going with with someone. And you know, maybe you have uh, some differing uh, skill sets. You know, so you can balance each other out, which is is super helpful. Yeah. And so, if you sort of look back at your relationship with your business partner. What do the responsibilities look like, the shared responsibilities between between the two of you and, and how have you made that work? Yeah, so we both asset manage a property together, but one would be the lead person that, you know, when we have a meeting, he would be the first one to speak and go through all of the things with the property manager. And then 
I would have my opportunity or vice versa. So, and, and if we had other partners, everything would flow through us. So it's really important. So your team isn't bombarded by a lot of different people. It's one person leading the way. If, if he's doing the underwriting, I'll look it over and, and talk through it or vice versa. Uh, we'll both walk comps and just share ideas. It's a very uh, collaborative effort. And to me, that's really important. It's got to be collaborative. And so, I mean, if we were to sort of break this down into, you know, some pretty simple components, you have, you know, the process of sourcing deals, you have the process of, and I would lump in, you know, the underwriting and analysis of those deals. And then you have, you know, the equity and investor relations component, and then you have the asset management. So would you say, is it fair to say that you both participate in sort of all three of those components of the process? Yeah, but, you know, maybe he would take a lead on one property on the underwriting and I would just review it. And then I would focus more on uh, lending and legal or the um, investment summary. So we, depending upon who finds a deal and who's working, who's the main person on that deal, well, the other person will take other responsibilities. Gotcha. And, you know, in, in a perfect world, he would strictly focus on one thing and I would strictly focus on another. But, you know, we do have some overlapping skill sets. So it doesn't always work perfectly, but they're, they're definitely, you know, I have strengths and weaknesses and he has strengths and weaknesses that we try to try to maximize our strengths. Yeah, makes sense. Okay, great. Well, I, I want to maybe pivot a little bit uh, of our conversation and start talking about, you know, what you guys have sort of hung your hat on and really branded yourself with and, and the concept of asset management, right? And uh, there's a handful of different ways to make money in investing in uh, commercial multifamily. I would argue that asset management is uh, at the very top of that list. And so maybe walk us through your thought process and, and why you consider you know, asset management to be your superpower or your secret sauce to your success so far? Yeah, great question. You know, it's because of all the entrepreneurial experience I've had in, in my life, you know, 30 plus years running different businesses, some well, some not so well, and the lessons I've learned. And so, you know, a lot of people get into multifamily just because it's sexy to make money and, and, and they focus on just getting the deal. You know, my strength and also Kyle's strength working at um, golf clubs and, and running them, you know, we both had that same operational experience and we wanted to really focus on that strength. And certainly it's important to buy right, but how you manage it could be a huge differentiator from one syndicator to another. And so let me ask you maybe some nuts and bolts questions as it relates to asset management. What are some of the top mistakes that operators make on the asset management side of the business? Yeah, I think they look at things as a whole and don't break down each activity. So even occupancy, looking at it as a whole versus every single unit type that you have. And you might have four different two bedrooms, three different one bedrooms. I want to know which one's performing well and which one isn't because the seven that are performing really well, I might increase rent $50. And the one that isn't performing well, that maybe is dragging all the others down, maybe I decrease it $15. But as a whole, I've just increased it quite a lot because I've broken it down. And then I, I want to understand why. Is it because of location and whatnot? But because I'm looking at all the data, all the details, then I could figure out all the bottlenecks. And, and, and that's just one example in, in leasing. I'm going to look at how we're getting our leads and, and breaking it down into appointments, showings, uh, applications, 
and ultimately leases and, and break that down where, where the traffic is coming from, all these different things. I want to keep breaking it down so that I can find any bottlenecks, I can reduce timelines and, and maximize our NOI for the property. Yeah. And so is there anything that you're, uh, you know, obviously you've mentioned, you know, breaking down each component. Is there anything that you've learned through your past acquisitions that you've implemented that's really moved the needle from an NOI perspective? I, I learn something new every time we do a deal, quite honestly. But, uh, you know, I, I guess it's that rent component piece, you know, breaking down all the units and where can we keep pushing rents? Because if we're maxim- really taking advantage of, of the best uses of our marketing to fill up the apartments, then we can really keep pushing that dial. And I mean, one of our properties during COVID, I think we raised rent like five times. We kept, you know, filling it up, filling it up, filling it up. And we ultimately uh, sold that in, uh, in under two years. So that was key, you know, constantly pushing the needle. And it's that consistency of having that meeting on a weekly basis via Zoom, mm-hmm. you know, not over a phone call. I want to see our property manager's face. You know, if, if they're not telling you the truth, I could probably tell, or I, you know, that's something I'm going to, you know, inspect a little bit more because sometimes they can fib and say things are getting done and not getting, you know, and, and they really aren't. So that's really important doing uh, secret shop reports. You know, we'll, you know, once a month, we'll secret shop all of our properties. We'll go to our properties unannounced just so we could see what's, you know, how it's, looking when we're, when we're not there, you know, and it's a balance because you're not trying to gotcha your, your staff, their, their team, and you want to empower them and make them feel a part of it. But sometimes you need to make sure that their bar is, is, is really high. And that starts with your setting your expectations up from day one, which I think is really important and two, keeping them on their toes. And just that alone will be a, a huge differentiator for your property. Yeah, I love that. I'm curious if there's any type of, you know, weekly or monthly uh monthly cadence of accountability with your property managers that you that you implement. Maybe just share with us, you know, what that looks like for you guys. Yeah, our weekly report is really detailed. It's funny we just had a new uh, regional manager start at uh one of our properties and I I walked her through it uh yesterday for about a half hour. And she was just amazed on all the detail that we want. And I, and I said, this will cut down on our meeting time. And we'll, we'll ask better questions because of all that detail in there. And there's a, a tab that has to-do lists and who's, who's doing what, when you're supposed to do it by, and if it was done. And you know that puts everyone on blast. So you know for sure people are going to get it done because no one wants to look like a fool by not getting it done. So it's there on the tab that Every, every week it's there when we have our meeting to, to review. So that's a, that's a really good thing to hold uh, people accountable. Yeah, that's great. All right. Well, we've got a little bit of time left and, and I want to pivot a little bit and, uh, and talk about uh, one of the deals that you've closed in the past, this 176 unit value add C-class deal. And I believe that's in the Tucson market or is that the Phoenix market? Yeah, Tucson. Tucson. Okay. Maybe if you can just uh, describe the asset for us a little bit. Yeah, it's uh, a value-add play. It, it's uh, ownership had it. Uh, they made a killing off of it because they bought it uh, at a foreclosure. 
but they really hadn't paid much attention to it. They were making a lot of money. They were happy. And the property management company is known for not really pushing rents. You know, they rely on Section 8 a lot. And so we knew it was right for the, uh, you know, for the taking. And they didn't even know their prepayment penalty. And we were able to get it for a million dollar discount because of that. Uh, we were very close to getting it. It it uh, it fell apart because of because of that, and then we came back and said, "Well, we would we would take this deal for a million dollars less," and they agreed. Hmm. And I I don't think they realized that that prepayment penalty dropped off after a year and a half uh, significantly. So so if been- I if I understand you correctly, then the owners had a prepayment penalty that they would have to pay if they sold. You guys originally went in and had a purchase price negotiated, but backed out because the prepayment was identified and then renegotiated. Yeah, the, the sellers backed out actually. Ah, gotcha. Yeah, they because it was like a $1.8 million penalty. And so we assumed it for a million dollar discount and you know it'll it'll fall off in like seven months. Oh, interesting. And our performer rents already after six months are geez, um, at least $100 more per unit across the board after only six months. And is that uh, pre any significant renovation or did you implement a value add plan on those? Pretty much before, you know, we're implementing, we're changing out some of the chiller lines. Things have been taking much longer because getting help in uh, in Tucson, getting, you know, workers there has has been a, a struggle. But so for the most part, it's without our value add plan, quite honestly, mm-hmm. and and having to deal with some crime, some riffraff from some uh, some old tenants, you know, trying to get them out and whatnot. But uh, sure. yeah, that property has been phenomenal. I mean, even you know, brokers have said you know X amount of dollars that we can get for it already after only six months. So really, you know, that's that's uh, that could be our best deal yet. <laughs> So what's your plan with it then? What's, uh, I mean, obviously I'm sure it's enticing to consider some offers like that and turn your investor money back to them in, in a very short period of time. But what are you thinking? Yeah, we're going to let that prepayment penalty expire and continue to hold. We're selling, we just sold one of our properties in Tucson. We are uh, entering escrow on another property in Phoenix and we don't want to sell our whole portfolio. I mean, it's it's hard to find. It's great when you're selling right now. It's hard to find property. So, yeah, you know, uh, the, our most recent properties, we're going to hold on to it and implement that value add and, and watch the value continue to, to grow and grow. It's going to, you know, the market, you know, isn't going, in our minds, we don't think it's going to go backwards anytime soon. So we'll just keep the plan moving forward and increasing the value. And so what's, uh, what's on the horizon for you guys? What are you guys, uh, what are your plans with your business over the next, let's, let's call it three to five years? Uh, do you see yourself staying? I mean, uh, just the, so the listeners know, you guys uh, have up to this point mainly focused on the Tucson and now moved into the Phoenix market a little bit, but is that where you're planning on, you know, hanging your hat for the time being? I'll be looking at some other markets as well, not just Phoenix and Tucson, although we're not going to be the operators that do deals all over the country. You know, we want to be experts in a few markets and do them really well and have a good team in place. So that's my focus going forward and looking to do, you know, three, four deals a year. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Well, Gary, I appreciate you taking some time with this and, and, and talking to us a little bit about your journey and the process that you've taken and how you, uh, you know, 
connected with your business partner and how that really, you know, accelerated your success. And congratulations on all you've done in such a short period of time uh, in the multifamily space. You got the book coming out. How can people get that? And when can they get it? Yeah, it's on Amazon right now. So just uh, head there and yeah, it'll be located other places as well. Just look up Best in Class by uh, Gary Lipsky and Kyle Mitchell. Great. So best in class, I'll have that link in the show notes. So anybody can go down there and, and uh, click on the link there. Before we go and, and start winding down here, I've got three final questions for you. The first is, what's the biggest mistake that you've made on your apartment investing journey that we could all learn from? Get a good team right from the beginning and that allowed rocket fuel to your business. Love it. What's the biggest win you've had on your apartment investing journey so far? I guess... The one that we just sold and we, we focused on the exteriors and we increased rents 50% and we thought everyone was going to move out and almost everyone stayed because they loved what we did. They realized the value that they were just paying really low rent. And so that was just a home run right from the beginning. I wish we bought 10 of those you know, that year. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Last question for you. What's the best advice you have for someone who's just starting their apartment investing journey? Find a mentor, get involved with a group. Don't go it alone. Use that energy from others and, and share ideas and it will provide rocket fuel for your business. Love it. Well, Gary, thank you again for coming on. I appreciate you spending some time with us, talking to us about your journey, about asset management and about building a team. And uh, I hope to connect with you again soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on, David. Hey, before you go, if you're looking to invest in multifamily, whether that's a duplex or a 200-unit apartment building, every investor needs three things. First, you need to find a deal. Second, you need a tool to analyze and underwrite that deal. And three, you need to perform due diligence on the deal. So if you go to apartmentinvestingjourney.com right now, you can download our free investor toolkit. You'll get everything you need. You'll get our cheat sheet for the top five ways to find off-market and undervalued deals. You'll get a free deal analyzer with both a desktop version and a mobile version so that you can analyze deals on the go. And you'll get our multifamily due diligence checklist. All that for free. Just click on the link in our show notes or go to apartmentinvestingjourney.com right now and download your free toolkit. Also, please, 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 if you like our show, or even if you don't like our show, please rate our show and leave us a quick review. That really helps us be found by other listeners so that we can continue to provide value. And lastly, I'd love to connect with you personally. So feel free to reach out to me at apartmentinvestingjourney.com forward slash David. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week.